Hey, Grayson, what would you name the childlike empress? Well, I wouldn't want to overthink it, so I'd probably just name her the first thing that she made me think of. And so I'd go to the window and yell, Season 1 Luke from Modern Family! We have to go back! Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today, we are reviewing the West German English language epic fantasy film based on the novel of the same name, the 1984 movie, The NeverEnding Story. Oh, I thought it was Push by Sapphire. (laughs) It's the other West German English language at... Oh. Epic fantasy film. Oh. Yeah. The, uh, oh man. So I'm so excited to be reviewing this movie. Um, mainly because I've never seen this. This is one of those movies that I have never seen. I've that only. blows my mind. I can't believe you've never seen Never Ending Story. Right. <laughs> As longtime listeners of the podcast will know that I have a bad tendency of thinking i saw a movie when really i just saw the trailer a lot um Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so the never ending story three uh was a movie i actually did see the full movie at one point in time the third Uh, one the third one the one with jack black in it super young 90s jack black is in that movie wow and uh he's like one of the baddies basically the premises and based off the trailer that i saw a million times was these bad guys get a hold of this storybook which is never any story and whatever they say happens in the story to bastion and uh the third one is like probably the largest the furthest departure from the original source material uh but i watched that a lot and i was like oh so the never ending story is just like the story that like people just keep on adding on to and i was a kid and i didn't have the concept of like watching like other movies because like for example when i watched five goes west i didn't know that that was based off of american tale it was like a sequel i was like wow five goes west what a great one-off movie that has nothing else that you need to watch one and done five <laughs> one and done so when i watched never ending story three I just assumed that that was just it. And I didn't know that there was another one until like way later in life. And then I just knew that it was a movie in the eighties and that was it. But now I finally saw it and I have the same retroactive, uh, emotional trauma from so much of this movie. (laughs) Mm, mm -hmm. Uh, but before we get into that, let's, dive into some history shall we uh so like i said in the very long intro uh never ending story is a movie based off of a book uh released in 1979 by michael ende or end um maybe the e is silent but he wrote a story about a boy who reads a magical book that tells the story of a young warrior whose task is to stop a dark storm called the nothing from engulfing a fantasy world. It was released in German. So this is like a German story. Uh, it was translated into English in 1983. And then the movie was released that following year. Production took uh, about a 
Well, it took way longer than what they were expecting due to just all the different things that they were trying to produce. Um, the movie cost um, around like American twenty-seven million comparatively to wh- whatever German currency is, but it's equivalent to twenty-seven million. And the swamp of sadness scene alone cost a hundred and thirty thousand dollars per day of filming. For the two months it took for them to film those scenes. There was a lot of problems with those scenes in particular. So oh, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> right? Uh, but uh, ultimately, that movie was largely hated uh, by the author of the book. He thought the adaptation uh, deviated so far from the, even just the spirit of the book that he requested that they either change the name or halt the film production so that they could spend more time on making it. Um, and Whoa. none of them happened. Could be but, because, like, the film adaptation part actually ends only halfway through what the book covers. Yep. So I could see why you'd be a little upset about that. Yeah, he's like, you missed the whole point of it. It's just like, yeah, but, like, what if we just end it, like, halfway through the second act? No. Don't do that. We're going to do it. Bing bong, the end. <laughs> But that's another tale. No, it's the same story. No! <laughs> but even though he didn't particularly care for it, uh, the movie made over $100 million in the U.S. box office. It was a commercial hit, so much so that they made two sequels. <laughs> the second chapter, which includes more of the uh, second half of the first story, but they still make some different changes here and there. It, at one point in time, reached... An amazing feat, um, getting a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes at some point in time. Whoa. It currently has 14%, but at one point in time, it had a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I think is just a wonderful feat. Uh, what a wonderful achievement to reach. As well as the third one, um, Never Ending Story 3, this time it's serious. Um, and all the sequels had different actors, like no actor carried on from movie to movie. Yeah. Um, everybody got recast every time. Yeah. Which I thought was really, really, uh, interesting. It's just like, Hmm, anyone want to come back for this? No, no, no one. Okay. Actually, the second one was due to age differences and the actors, Like they wanted to keep it like they wanted him to stay young or, like, in his kind of, like, age range that he was, but they ended up uh, going with someone else. Well, it's a lot creepier if you have, like, a middle-aged man in the attic of a school uh, reading a book all day. Right. (laughs) That's a little bit of the history of this movie. Well, there is one element I want to talk about, and it's kind of like the history of it, but there was a rumor with this movie for a long time that Mm -hmm. I just want us to clarify. I want us to get it out there. And that's around the Swamp of Sadness scene. Um, Did you read about this rumor at all? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that the rumor is, and this was, I heard this for years, that the horse in the Swamp of Sadness scene actually drowned and died while shooting it. Upon further review, that is not true. Fake news. Fake news. But the actor that played Atreyu did actually get hurt because his leg got caught in the elevator and he got pulled underneath the the swamp water at one point. So that was bad. Mm -hmm. Um, 
the other thing is the the horse did not die it was freaked out because covered in swamp water and being submerged also horse didn't agree to act it was just made to act whatever <laughs> but they uh the production gifted the horse to um atreyu at the end of filming and it was like oh that's so great because he learned to ride a horse and and all this other stuff so they really bonded unfortunately the horse uh because of german travel laws and everything uh couldn't come with the young actor and was left behind in germany so yeah which is also known as a swamp of sadness it is germany is the swamp of sadness so i'm i i'm so sorry for our german listeners we we're just we're just silly silly americans who know very little about germany who's just low-hanging fruit i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) but it is really sad like after everything they went through you had to leave the horse behind yeah i actually i don't i don't blame germany for what happened uh, especially with the horse, I blame uh, I blame the production crew who was like, "Hey, buddy, the horse is yours," without checking to make sure they could actually do that. I just imagine him just like at like customs. Uh, you can't bring the horse. He just screams, "Artax, Artax!" It would have been uh, so much less sad if uh, they just never brought it up. Yeah, they're just like. Thanks for uh, being a movie star. We'll keep the horse. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and to give you guys a little bit of movie magic, um, the way that they were able to get the horse to be fully submerged in the Swamp of Sadness is uh, they had two trainers uh, who spent over seven weeks to teach the horse to stand on a hydraulic platform in the swamp that was like slowly like sinking. Um, because who the thunk horses don't like walking in mud or like super deep bodies of water. Hmm. Uh, so like, that's how they were able to get the horse to do it. Cause I was just, man, I was just so captivated by like how messy they were willing to get. I'm just like, Oh no. Like I was just like, when, I watched it with my wife, and she's like, are we watching this horse die? I'm like, I think we are. Hmm. But man, yeah. And the Swamp of Sadness scene, um, because it cost so much, they actually uh, had to cut out two very prominent uh, scenes from the book. Um, One of which had to do with, like, uh, this, like, shape-shifting monster thing. Um, and the other thing was also a very complicated effect. Yeah, yeah, that'd be tough to shoot because a lot of these were animatronics for the beasts. Mm-hmm. Like Gamork was a giant like wolf robot and was so heavy. In fact, like at one point, Noah Hathaway, the guy that played Atreyu, like he was in that fight scene and almost lost an eye because the giant claw just came down. Like it was so heavy. Yeah, uh, man. That guy had a rough time at this. He really did. He <laughs> little did you know. Little did he know that when he said, "You ready to go on a great journey?" Because that's you verbally signing this waiver to like be on the production of this film. Yeah, I know. Dude did a lot of like. I I'm pretty sure he just did also almost all his own stunts as well. Because he 
he was just like jumping and climbing and running around and doing all this other stuff. I was just really impressed with him. He gave a lot. Kudos yeah. to him. Oh, yeah. Great job, Noah Hathaway. Fun fact, little mini segment, where are they now? He owns and operates a tattoo parlor in Los Angeles with his wife. Wow. So it's like he fulfilled the prophecy of never ending the story. Because he just like tattoos different stories onto other people. And it's permanent. Yeah. It's never going to wash away or end. Story. Another where they now is the Orin, the little symbol that he wears around his neck. It is currently in a glass display case in Steven Spielberg's office. We have to break it to Steven Spielberg's office. It's the only way. Let's go. <laughs> I want that to be the next national treasure. Nicholas Cage breaking in to steal the Orin to continue writing the never-ending story. Just oh, a, so a huge, huge never-ending story fan. <laughs> I'll try you. There was one name missing from the Declaration of Independence. (laughs) We need to say that name. Oh, man. Okay, so uh, I've already said that I've never seen this film. Grayson, when was the last time that you saw the never-ending story? Nay, when was the first time you saw the never-ending story? I I think the first time I saw the never-ending story was probably... 30 minutes after I finished watching all of the Back to the Future movies for the first time. Oh, really? I, I have been watching The NeverEnding Story as long as I can remember. Um, I've seen it dozens of times. Um, I don't watch it as frequently as Back to the Future, but the most recent time I had seen this was about four years ago. Okay. Yeah. And even then, I'll talk more about this in headcanon, but even then, I... I did not fully realize what the story was saying or the impact of the story um, until this viewing. For some reason, I always thought it was something else or like didn't go as deep as it did. But we can go we can go into that more when we get to headcanon. But the point being, like, I have seen this over a dozen times and I keep pulling new interesting things out of it and taking uh, taking those nuggets away with me. Um, But yeah. Definitely worth rewatching. Yeah. Well, I've never seen it, but like I said, my understanding of what the never ending story was is largely based off of the third one, which is more or less just complete departure from the source material. Yeah. Which, side note, the last half of the never ending story, uh, I watched, I read a summary of it. It is dark. It is basically, think Chronicles of Narnia meets Star Wars in a way. So, like, so Bastion basically comes into the world of uh, Fantasia, um, which, by the way, a lot. Of, I was thinking, hey, Disney, sue someone. Uh, but it's just a literal translation because uh, yeah. the original is a uh, Fantasian, I think, is the German name. Excuse me. Uh, pardon me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> There's that. But so basically he gets into the world and then like a 11 year old kid whose first choice after having unlimited wishes is revenge. uh, He gets real power hungry and starts kind of rebuilding the world into his own image, uh, which is just he basically goes to the dark side and then Atreyu ends up like having to like fight him. And then he almost kills Atreyu. 
and then ultimately like like they said every wish that he makes like almost erases his previous memory so he ends up like starting all these different stories that he has to um finish as like penance after like years of him kind of ruining this world that he helped to rebuild uh and then atreyu comes back and is uh he says we will finish the stories for you because that's the only way for him to make, go back into his human world it was for him to fix all the things that he ruined and there were just like too many things for him to be able to do and then he goes back to the human world learning a lesson and that's the last half of the original i was about to say chronicles of narnia that's not what this is <laughs> a never-ending story wow Right? I have got to read this book and <laughs> then first probably learn German. <laughs> I, I share all that because that's I never knew that that was part of the never ending story. The moment when, wait, so you need a new name. She's like, oh, yeah, I know. She's like, well, well, why did you bring me here so that I could know what you already knew? She's like, because you had to go through all that to bring us a human child. It's like, but I didn't bring a human child. But you did. He's he's here right now. I'm just like, like I was freaking out. Like that was like such a great plot twist. Like no one, like in the, like over, almost thirty years that this thing has been around, that hasn't been spoiled for me at all. Which That's I'm super, super hard by. to spoil, though. Like it's not like saying a character dies or something like that. Like. That's such a hard concept to just blurt out and ruin for you. Yeah. Oh, you haven't seen everything story? Well, let me tell you the ending where, like, well, actually, he was reading the whole time, but he was in it, and, like, <laughs> they were there, and they can see it, and, like, that's what this story... Ah, you should see it. Like, Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because, like, I thought the never-ending story was just that people could just add on to it, basically, but I didn't realize it was because the story had to go on to a certain point, and then the kid reading it had to, like, he was a part of the story, and then we were part of the story because yeah. we were reading his story. I was like, what is this? The end of Men in Black? What's happening? Yeah. I was so blown away. Like, I audibly gasped. <laughs> I was so impressed with that. I thought that was such a cool concept. It's super creative. Like, that's not really something that I can remember exactly being replicated in some other form. I can't. Uh, closest thing is, like, The Matrix. Got some headcanon for you in that department. But, yeah. No, I, I just as a first-time viewer, I was just super, like, impressed with that part of the story. Because uh, I didn't know, like, what role he was going to play. Originally, I thought it was just going to be... I, I thought he was just going to, like, blues clues into the story. Oh, because there's a giant dog? Yep. Yeah. Largely <laughs> much because just of that. Just a big Falcor paw print on all of the <laughs> clues. <laughs> a clue! A clue! <laughs> oh, a clue! <laughs> we just found an Orin. We just found an Orin. We just found an Orin. Guide me to the city, <laughs> man. Like so, everyone was talking about like I I was familiar with the Artax scene just because, you know, whatever kind of listicle thing will be like the saddest times from your childhood. Littlefoot's <laughs> Littlefoot's mom, um, Mufasa dying, Artax and the Sea of Sadness. 
why Hollywood won't cast Artax anymore. <laughs> yep, exactly that. He's stuck in Germany. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he has a thriving German film career. Uh, but yeah, uh, but I think the even sadder scene was the rock monster. Look at these. These look like big, strong hands. <laughs> I couldn't save them. I I held on to them as tight as I could, but the nothingness just took them away. Yeah, fun fact, Rockbiter was originally played by Marlon Brando. <laughs> these big, strong hands. Look at them. Uh, nothingness <laughs> I mean that like that scene just like oh, I was so upset just like what are you doing movie hmm. oh man although thematically it's kind of interesting to know that the rockbiter Falcor and the Gamork were all voiced by the same actor oh yeah you're right which, yeah. also, you just reminded me, guess who else he's the voice of? He's on DuckTales. Is he? Is that not what you were going to say? <laughs> it's, it's not uh, not DuckTales? <laughs> no. Um, he is Skeletor. Oh, yeah. He, he did a lot of He-Man stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has an amazing uh, body of work for voice acting especially. I thought you were just going to say he has an amazing body. He has an amazing body <laughs> of work. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, no, but I, yeah, the movie just, just so, I was really impressed with it. I wasn't expecting to see that kind of story unfold in that way, uh, especially as a first time viewer of it. Like, man. First time viewer, long time listener. <laughs> Yeah, was there anything that you noticed this time around that you didn't notice when you were younger? Uh, yeah, there was. Um, I, so the thing that really struck me was I never picked up on the crucial line that the childlike empress says to Atreyu of he was he was with you the whole time. He you led him here like he was listening. Like all of that, I got that like Bastion is part of this and he's naming the empress. I got that. The line I never got was um, he's been watching us, seeing our story, and others have been watching him too. I n- totally was in the dark about that, but this time it just struck me. I was like, oh my goodness. It's like, it's like she's it's like she can see me yeah. like it was a, a very bizarre feeling watching this movie that I thought I knew. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was the part that like like his, it was just like a double gasp. Like he's been watching our story, <gasps> and they've been watching his. <gasps> like I was just like, oh no, we're in the story. This is how it's never ending. Cause like everyone, oh man, I just I just love that kind of symbolism of like we're all stories. We're all like the like the stories that we read, and like the stories of us like engaging with other stories. Like oh man. <laughs> It's like as if if we were reviewing this movie and then the listeners are like reviewing us. Oh. Be sure to head over to 
iTunes to uh, leave us a review. Um, but yeah, it's just like, oh man, so like the story just continues to go on and on. So cool. And then it was, I, I think, also recognizing actors, which always happens when we go back and watch this. Like, actors become more famous in something else later on. Like, I'm rewatching House of Cards, and so I was like, oh, Bastion's father, season one, House of Cards, and season two, House of Cards. Um, and uh, I was like, oh, okay, that's that's pretty crazy. And then Deep Roy as well um, from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yes. He plays all of the Oompa Loompas. I was like, oh, yeah, Deep Roy, sure. Yeah, when I said that, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, it's the Oompa Loompa. My wife turned to me. She said, Ricky, that uncalled for. I was like, no, 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 no. In, in, the, John, in the Johnny Depp Oompa he he's all of the Oompa Loompas. Saying all Oompa Loompas look alike. Ricky. Ricky. No, 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 no. Ricky. <laughs> no, I... Give me a new name. <laughs> did you catch the uh, the name when you were a kid? Um, I I did know that the name was Moonchild, but I actually got into a debate about this with a friend uh, not that long ago. With they they were convinced that it wasn't Moonchild that it was that it was his mother's name, like an actual like female name, like Karen or something like that, and. Which makes sense, unless his mom's name was Moonchild. I don't understand why he picks that, because he was like, my mother had a beautiful name. So, I guess his mom's name was Moonchild? Because even the childlike empress says, when she's referring to Bastion and doing that big reveal, she she says something along the lines of, like, he's he's been already thought of a name. Like, he's mm-hmm. been thinking of it. Um so I guess that was his mom's name, but I still hold that it needs to be the mom's name and that he probably said the mom's name. The only thing weird is that her name is Moonchild and not Jennifer or Karen or Samantha. <laughs> no, I am. Um... Or Tiffany. <laughs> or Carla. And this has been the end of our segment called Names. Or Patricia. If you're looking for a segment that has nothing but names in it, we just ended it. So just rewind it. Um. Or Sydney. All right. <laughs> and we're back. Sorry, I lost my mind for a second. <laughs> All right. Now, um, now it's time to go into the next chapter of the podcast. If you will, na, 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 na. <laughs> the chapter known as Head Cannon. Head Cannon. <laughs> that was me, like eating head cannons, yeah. or like yeah, it's eat, like limestone rocks, or yeah. <laughs> oh, some gourmet head cannons. Uh, head Cannon is the part of the show where we share with you unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. Before I go into my main piece of Head Cannon, I'm just going to take a stop by here. Um, do you recall the nickname that uh, Star-Lord um, in Guardians of the Galaxy, like his uh, mom had for him? I thought it was Star-Lord. You are correct. So that's a nickname. Like that's a nickname, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> my headcanon 
is that he's like, yeah, my mom had a most beautiful name. Moonchild. It sounds like the nickname that like his mom would have maybe gone by. If his dad was an alien, therefore Bastion is really Star Lord before, Whoa. right? So yeah. I know that I mean, the timeline is just like a little off, just because based off of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, Star-Lord's mother passes and that day he gets abducted, right? So this would kind of be something along the lines of, you know, he stays there and and because of his alien DNA, he is able to actually bring this book to life. So, Mm. there it is. That's the headcanon. Nice. I like the Star-Lord-Moonchild connection. So I'm kind of all over the place with headcanon, so buckle up. Um, <laughs> yeah, so the the initial premise is that Bastion is part of the story, and we are part of the story for seeing his story, and everything's connected. But the um, I started thinking about Bastion's mother as well, um, and how she's just gone. Um, and they kind of like overemphasize like she died. Like the dad said some comment to him, like ever since your mother's death. And it's like, why, why you got to say it like that? And the, the kid knows what happened. Why? Right. Why bring it up? He's clearly yeah. bummed already. So, um, my understanding then is that that is something that the dad is still coping with. Um, that it's the story that he has chosen to believe because the true circumstances are that she went missing because she was so connected to the other world that the nothingness took her away. So Bastion Ooh. has not been back home since he named the child like Empress. My belief is that when he goes home, his mother will be there. Interesting. Yeah, that she was part of it. That's that's part one mini headcanon. My other headcanon is um, the true nature of who his mom is. I believe this isn't just an interdimensional story. I believe it's a story through time, which is why it's never ending. It is a loop in time. So the reason he names the childlike Empress, his mother's name is because the childlike Empress is his mother where she and Atreyu grow up, because there is some resemblance between Bastion and Atreyu, she and Atreyu grow up and have Bastion. Bastion, I believe, was actually born in the in Fantasia, but then came here to protect him from the nothingness. They just kind of like a... Uh, like, just a... He was the chosen one that could, like, fix everything, so they had to keep him uh, isolated from it. Um... As his guardian, I believe Atreyu followed him, but had to keep his distance and ended up growing up to be the old man in the bookshop, which is why he's been guarding the Orin that was on the cover of the book all this time. So it looks like there's two Orins that draw each other together. In reality, it's just another Orin from later in the timeline. Wow. Kind of like Back to the Future where like Marty is his mother's or his dad's wingman. Exactly. 
Yeah, yeah it loop it loops in on itself. So whenever he uh, uh, like runs into the shop, that is like old Atreyu, even though he looks like unrecognizable. Probably not what he would be like, but he's someone who has surrounded himself with stories because he knows that is the only way that he can stay connected to the world of Fantasia and somehow be with his wife while also looking over his son. Yeah. Wow. That's solid. That reminds me of this other moment that I realized how like the father's whole reasoning behind not wanting his son to like read is just uh it's the same kind of premise uh from our sponsor Don Cajito. Uh <laughs> get yourself a new cheesy beefy Don Cajito. <laughs> Cheesy, beefy Don Quixote. It's a good time beyond your imagination. (laughs) (laughs) Got to make that Don Quixote money. Oh, yeah. Don Quixote. If you have an appetite the size of an imaginal windmill dragon, head on over to Don Quixote. (laughs) My other piece of head cannon, like I mentioned before, has to do with the Matrix. There are too many Matrix similarities to me in this where um, basically he played a role in like changing the world or not. Like mm-hmm. basically the Empress is the uh, was the architect. Oh yeah, because she she said like, listen, I know everything. I just I can't like actually st- I can't stop this from happening just because like for, by design I just can't. But you are basically an algorithm or like you're like more or less a glitch in the matrix not a glitch but like you you're the lost chapter yeah yeah like he he's just the one who can like work outside of the rules like he's the only one who can make those changes uh Mm -hmm. which i thought was really interesting to see those parallels yeah and also he chooses a new name neo is not neo's name that's his code name his real name is tom um so he has anderson yeah so he has two names um and i think his matrix name is atreyu yeah so atreyu then is the the matrix version of bastion which Mm -hmm. makes sense because atreyu backwards is yurta which is german for don quixote (sighs) Oh, no, you I said actually it right. said it right. <laughs> oh. Well, guess the joke's dead. Well, Cancel the shirt order. I have too many shirts. We ordered far too many. Mm-hmm. Well, I also just love how clearly it plays into the hero's journey of, like, yeah. him not only learning the rules of the land, but also being able to break those rules. One of the coolest scenes was when... Everything was destroyed. Like, the nothingness consumed everything. And they're just, like, floating in space. And I'm just, like, explain to my wife, like, the depth of this. I'm like, they are just, like, floating aimlessly in space. Like, they lost. Yeah. And it's like, oh, no, let's look for this. Look for the um, the tower. And they found it. I was just, like, I was, like, so excited that, like, even when pretty much everything was lost, they still kept on going. I'm like, this is great. And I feel like that's a very, like, you know, Neo thing. Like, even when he got consumed by all the Agent Smiths, 
everything was all lost, he kept fighting. Because the only way for him to defeat the Matrix was for him to give in to the Matrix. Never saw the third one. Oh. Spoiler alert. That just happened. (laughs) I see. I see. I'm so sorry for that 17-year spoiler. Or when did that (laughs) third one come out? That's right. Apology accepted, I guess. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah. Matrix uh, is reloaded in Revolutions. They came out the same year. Yeah, it was basically like before they did part ones and part twos, they yeah, yeah. they just did that one. Before they dropped a twosie. <laughs> Falcor reloaded. Ho, ho, ho. Mr. Anderson! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're exactly right about the hero's journey. This follows it pretty tightly, actually. You can map it uh, one-to-one. So oh, in that yeah. instance, it's... Uh, it's cool to see the archetypes of the different characters. Like even uh, that exposition Jedi council guy at the beginning, like mm-hmm. he gives us all the information we need about what is happening to the world so that we're clearly updated on the stakes uh, and allows the hero to rise to that occasion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just really strong storytelling. We're going to go into another uh, chapter of this podcast called, what, 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 what would you do? Oh, this one again. <laughs> That's right. The sometimes segment where we pose the question, what would you do? Um, so if you were, if you were to be in the never ending story, mm-hmm. same kind of structure. The yeah. only difference is that you get to choose what book. And like what adventure you go on. Oh, nice. So what book would that be for you? Because I the thing that came to mind for me was I'm not like a huge reader of fiction uh, outside of comic books. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think probably the last like novel that I read was uh, The Hunger Games. And oh. I, I, I remember just being so impressed with the story and the degree to detail that they were reading that they were describing that I just wanted to read more and more and more and then like if I would have like come to the end of the Hunger Games and it's like the only way to end the games is to bring an earthly child and they know how to end the games they've been with us this whole time and then I turn the page and it's a mirror and it's me (laughs) (laughs) that would freak me out I also realized I should have been so much more careful with this book. There is a mirror in here. I've been carrying glass in my backpack. I dropped this on concrete. I read this in the bathtub. I wonder why it was so heavy. What would it be for you? For me, it would probably be H.G. Wells's The Time Machine. That's one of my favorite stories of all time. Um, it's really incredible um how they look at how humans have evolved um like i i still don't think there is a film adaptation that has really captured that kind of social commentary and realization um to the level at which he wrote it um and there's a part where he gets uh like access to his time machine again and he's able to go uh really far forward like further past anything that ever existed and so for me i would 
like my never ending story moment would be when he gets to the end of the universe, like all of a sudden I'm just standing there and I'm like, what are you doing here? And he was like, what are you doing here? And like, it's, it's the end of everything. And it was like, but for me, it's just the beginning. And then we would have some kind of existential crisis. Um, and oh, then I would good. like, then I'd travel back in time with him and fulfill my, my dream of traveling through space and time. That's really yeah. good. That's awesome. But yeah, I, I would love to just step into the time machine um, story, even though the story itself is terrifying. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, I thought that that little twist was just so interesting because it, it made it, it gave the reader kind of like power to choose and to decide like how the story ended. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also kind of makes the whole appeal of books and stories like really, really interesting. Uh, it reminded me a lot of page master, which is, yeah. I think the thing I was expecting the story to be more about, it's just like, Oh, he's just going through all these adventures trying to survive these stories. Hmm. Um, or like to try to figure out a good, interesting story, like to build on top of. If I were to include comic books, which uh, bookshop guy snuffed his nose at, I would probably say Spider-Man would be an interesting story for me. But I always think that like superhero stories are. I think as an adult, I just realized just like how much superheroes. Uh, or like the task of being a hero is just like so taxing and just like just not only like emotionally taxing but just like physically taxing I'm like mm-hmm. do I want to do I want to do that but I think it would work best in the Marvel universe cuz like they have the watcher like yeah. as a as like a set of characters so I think that would be really cool to just reveal that you are one of the watchers and you get to choose like how this universe gets saved and even if it does, uh, it's not guaranteed that it's going to stay the same, this, that, the other. I think that that would be really cool. Yeah. If we're doing comic books, I would want to never-ending story Old Man Logan. Oh. Um, except the twist would be, as he's traveling across the country, um, I'm kind of combining Logan with it as well. But, um, like, the mutant that he goes and finds, like, the new mutant ends up being me with the ability to go into all of these different stories. And then you have an Xavier-type voiceover of, like, he has something that transcends evolution. It's the mystical, the the interdimensional, or something something like that. I don't know. I haven't written it yet. (laughs) But... But that's the mutant power is that it suddenly makes it really meta. Kind of like when Joker realizes that he is in a comic book. Right. Um, it's like you have that ability to objectively view the stories that take yeah. place here. And because of that, you kind of can pull like a Doctor Strange and go back in time and jump ahead and um, like outrun the bad guys because you're using the, the panels and like you're able to get a, right. through the gutters and stuff like that. Um I don't know. Could be fun. Turn around, Logan. Look at what you see in her face. The mirror of your dreams. Make believe it everywhere. Given in the light. 
Written on the pages is the answer to a never-ending story. Logan, this is Fantasia. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we're not allowed to say that. <laughs> no, it's different. Completely different. Logan, this is Disney TM. <laughs> Are we not one of the ones that got bought by Disney? Okay. Okay. <laughs> And now it's time for the penultimate uh, chapter of this podcast, which is... <laughs> I completely forgot. Uh, recast and remake. If this movie were to be made today, uh, who would you cast and what would the storyline be? Um, honestly, I would I would just make it... I, I would change it up a little bit. Instead of it being a book, it's a board game. And instead of Never Ending Story, it's Jumanji. Um... <laughs> The never-ending board game. Kill me now, kill me now, <laughs> kill me now. Uh, no, I would love, I would love, 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 love to um, to see this movie done today. Largely because, I mean, so many of the effects don't hold up, but a lot of like the practical settings do. Which yeah, yeah, I yeah. Lo- like, I love that part, which made me think a lot of Pan's Labyrinth. Um, yeah, the use of miniatures and like practical costume pieces, very labyrinth-like. Yeah. But the um, yeah, the actual green screen, I mean, they could just do it better now. But I, right. I don't want a CGI Falcor. Like, I want the animatronic Falcor. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, if anything, I would want them to do what they did with where the wild things are, which is they mm. did a blend of both. Where it, oh, yeah. I think only the face was uh, CGI and the body. Yeah, just the were... just the face. So yeah. none of none of the fur had to be CGI. Like that was all practical and blow with the wind. And you could feel it, and the shadows were right. And, right. Um, but yeah, all of the facial expressions were CGI, so they could capture the performance that they wanted. Yeah, yeah. I would love to see that happen. Um, I think Guillermo del Toro would make it a little like it's it's a pretty dark story. Like I wasn't expecting that, so I think that that would be right in his wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, as far as like visually, um, but as far as the cast would go, um, I think if they, um, I'm trying to think of some younger actors. Well, who- I know. For either Bastion or Atreyu, I would cast um, season one Jonathan Taylor Thomas for Home Improvement. <laughs> oh, no one does a JTT. <laughs> um, Asa Butterfield would be a, a good one, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, he'd be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Asa Butterfield. Um, I think oh, yeah. Tom Holland might be just outside of it. I think you could play the child like Empress. You know what? You're right. When you're right, you're right. <laughs> oh, uh, no. What am I thinking? Duh. All the young mutants in Logan. Scratch that entirely. Cast the Stranger Things. Oh, yeah. Get Eleven to be the child like Empress. Yep. 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 Done and yep. done. Yep. Did it. Yep. Close up shop. Did it. Yep. <laughs> No one's gonna top yep. that. <laughs> yep. Lisa is another female name. <laughs> Gosh. You are correct. And for Atreyu, um, 
I would absolutely love if they had Brian Cranston, uh, not Trey U. Uh, <laughs> Artax, Artax, <laughs> you are embarrassing yourself. Uh, no, the Luck Dragon. Oh yeah, Falcor. Falcor. I want yeah, yeah, yeah. Brian Cranston to be the voice of Falcor. Yeah, that'd be great. Very Zordon like. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Uh, for sure. Or because this is the person who I thought it was before I looked up the IMDb, uh, George Takei. Oh, yeah. I thought I'm that a he luck was dragon. <laughs> well, when he was talking, if he just sounded very much like George Takei, like, oh, hello, <laughs> oh, oh my, my. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would like uh, Billy Crystal to play the scientist. Ooh. Um, oh yeah! I, for a long time, this is the the misremembering the Mandala effect that we were talking about uh, last week. Where um, I frequently, because I watched Princess Bride a ton as a kid, and I also watched this movie a ton as a kid. But that scientist character and his wife were very similar to like Miracle Max and his wife from Princess Bride. And so I would always mix those two scenes up and be like, wait a minute, which one was which? Okay. So I would just re- recast them. Nice. Yeah. I know sometimes on Recast and Remake, we also do a re-edit, which oh, yeah. I'm going to re-edit this one with a, another flashback flicks film that we've done um, where – the story plays out as is, but at the very end, it zooms out, and Jim Carrey is watching it on his television as Truman, and it's part of the Truman Show. So we're watching the one watching, the one reading about the story. You could take it a step further, because then you see the people that are watching the Truman Show, so that we're the ones watching, the ones watching, the one watching, the one reading about the story which would make us the ones talking about the ones watching the one watching the one reading about the ones within the story is my nose bleeding i feel like my nose is bleeding (laughs) that's i love it oh and then jim carrey wakes up and it's inception which is (laughs) The ones watching, the ones watching, the ones dreaming, the ones watching, and the ones watching. And then Jim Carrey wakes up, (laughs) except he's Andy Kaufman going, I had the craziest dream. (laughs) Oh, man. This is something I, I want to happen. I just want someone to find all the moments where Jim Carrey is like waking up from something and just mm. making it so that he just keeps on having these dreams. Like I want to find a way to like edit every single movie that he has done ending in the Truman show. It's like, Oh, that's God, great. The weirdest dream. So you want to make Jimception? I got to go. Pet and penny. <laughs> <laughs> YouTube dibs, YouTube dibs. <laughs> And now it's time to bring the story to an end uh, with our final segment, Reasons to Recommend. Did I just accidentally rhymed? I did. Oh, yeah, except I didn't say rhyme, correct? I said rhyme, did. Did I just accidentally rhyme, did it? Okay, so uh, 
Grayson, why would you recommend The Never Ending Story? It is a true taste of German 80s fantasy, which you don't get everywhere. <laughs> um, but we talked a lot about the, the hero's journey, the archetypes in it. Um, they really are, uh, I think they're educational to view. Like from a storytelling perspective, really analyze these characters and what purpose they serve to the story. Um, it's also a really just creative uh like we were talking about, we can't think of another movie that really does it other than maybe the matrix or inception or something like that, that incorporates these different levels of consciousness and awareness, but then also to have that feeling of that character is talking about me as a person watching this movie. I am an active participant. Like that is such a unique experience as a movie watcher that it took me nearly 30 years to really appreciate. And uh, if you haven't seen Neverending Story in a while, please rewatch it, look past all of the effects that may not hold up, and look at what the heart of what the story is about. It's a story of adventure, and it's a story of fantasy, and it's a story of doing the right thing uh, rather than doing uh, the easy thing. Uh, unless the right thing is to take your math exam, which <laughs> he, he's going to have to make that up and probably only get half credit. Yeah. <laughs> never ending story. Yeah, I man, as someone who has never seen the never ending story, um, man, like th th this movie is so impressive to me. Um, I definitely recommend the movie just for what I assume because, like, I've I might have said a couple of times on the podcast, growing up, I wasn't a big reader. Um, but if you were, this movie just really does visually show just like what it's like to get lost into a story mm. um, or lost in a story into a story. is just a bad grammar. It also teaches you how to do bad grammar. Well, um, <laughs> and uh, I just loved it. I just really loved the way that they incorporated um, book readers and audiences of media as a whole. Because uh, I know that when I I feel a lot of how, um, you know, Bastion felt when he was reading about movies. Like mm -hmm. I feel like you can just get lost in this world, and you're just like, oh man, like if only I could be there, or like you're just like rooting for these characters and all these things happening. And it's just it's really exciting to um, see that on film. Like I don't see a lot of films that are. Um, about the experience of media, which I thought was really, really cool. Yeah, even books now don't really get into the same kind of audience experience that this one touches on. Yeah. Um, I would say the massive exception is a series of unfortunate events. Mm. So that, that maybe is one that if you are more interested in how movies can talk to the person where they're sitting, uh, like to re reach the audience and put the audience in a role themselves. Like that's a great one too, where you really feel like you're reading the like manuscripts of Lemony Snicket and he's in a, a, a dire situation. Whereas this is like, yeah, I'm observing the end of a universe and there's something I should be doing about it. Um, but yeah, you're, you're totally right. It's an immersive experience. That's pretty unique. Oh yeah. And, um, and yeah, I mean, gosh it's just so much fun and 
I'm, I'm actually glad that I got to experience for the first time as an adult because there's so much to appreciate. Um, yeah, I didn't realize you hadn't seen it. I've been pushing for this movie, what, for like two or three months now? Yeah, pretty much all summer. <laughs> yeah, I was like, hey, Ricky, what if we do NeverEnding Story? I know Wonder Woman's coming out, but what about NeverEnding Story? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm really glad that you suggested it and, we, and I finally got to see it. So thank you. Sweet, yeah. And that is the end of our story, reviewing The NeverEnding Story. The NeverEnding Podcast. Uh, Let us know what you remember about The NeverEnding Story or share with us some of your favorite moments watching uh, The NeverEnding Story on Twitter or Instagram. In both places, we are at Flashback Flicks and... There is a human being who has been listening to our journeys and knows exactly what they need to do. They, they've they already even thought of a review to leave oh. us on iTunes. Wow. And is, is it Scott? It's probably Scott, right? It's Scott. Hey, oh, Scott, hey Scott. It's Scott. you. Hey, man. You're the human child. <laughs> Please leave us a review uh, on a scale of one to infinity. Well, no one's going to top that. <laughs> uh, I would love it. It's our review. We just have someone just leaves the infinity symbol plus one. That would be great. <laughs> And be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind.